Now on Racing Pulse, RSN's racing editor, Matt Stewart. Catherine Coleman, who's got a hell of a job as, as the co-trainer for one of the best stables in Australasia and also to be able to be used in a marketing sense is fantastic. For more news, opinion and selections, head to rsn.net.au. Yes, it is time for our racing news segment with our racing editor, Matty Stewart, and uh, it certainly goes up a notch when we are coming towards the majors, and uh, there's still no word. The I, I don't know whether Kieran Marsden is having some fun uh, with the connections or whether Kieran and Dave are genuinely going, I don't know what to do here. I don't know. Should we... Toss a coin. <laughs> well, paper, scissors, rock usually resolves these things. It's not quite the same as when Maccabi Diva may or may not have run yeah. in the third Melbourne Cup. Um, but it's it's interesting because it'll he's such an important horse. And Kieran hinted yesterday about stud value. And uh, I know Jamie Lovett wasn't that concerned about it, but I think Kieran's very mindful of you win a Cox Plate and he's he's there as a as a as a stud aspirant. If you win a Caulfield Cup and have another crack at a Melbourne Cup, he's hunt club type material in, in the UK terms. So um, the, the, there's a bit of a feeling that the Cox Plate has become more of more likely. Mm. Um, there's no betting reaction to it. He's held his position. In fact, he's drifted a point in the last 24 hours for the Cox Plate to I, $8. I wonder whether the weather... Um, we've got a very nice week here in Melbourne. I, I can't see how we're not going to be racing on a good three come Caulfield Cup time on Saturday with no rain predicted and warm days over the what, next... What race is it on the program? Don't know as yet, but I'd assume it will be... nine or something. You'd think of ten races, it'll be either eight or nine. I wonder if they're revisiting the last race feature. Um, oh, it won't be the last. Yeah, so look, there's a few things at play. I've texted Kieran, as has every other person on the face of the <laughs> earth today. Um no uh, response, but I think the Mooney Valley would be really hoping that uh, Gold Trip runs in the Cox Plate because after the hullabaloo about the decision and that intensifies the interest on him, but we'll wait and see. If he's in the Caulfield Cup, it'll be interesting just uh, just the same. So, um, look, we're going to find out in the next couple of hours, I would imagine. So, well, Akita Sushi um, and the connections uh, waiting on that as well because he's currently number 19 in order of entry. We'll have a chat to... Mike Baroni a little later because if his horse Squigalimo wins today, he could actually jump into the field for the Caulfield Cup. So um, there's a lot that hinge on um, the decision of Gold Trip. And, and of first course, immortal hangs in as second yeah, or first I emergency, think, depending. I, I think he's. Mm, I still think he's going to struggle unless there are a couple that we do not know um, that are not going to accept um, all. There's an issue with a couple of the horses that are already Which can there. often happen. It I mean, does. you can back it in that one will, one will fail. Durston was first emergency yeah. last year. You might be a little hope here still with first immortal. No. But knowing you, you've got it in an eight-horse multi, <laughs> so it's... No. Um, I've given up hope. Fair enough. <laughs> um, the gallop of the Japanese yes, horse yesterday. The, the Caulfield Cup. Well, he was out at Caulfield this morning. Sorry, this morning, yep. Um, and uh, Paul Bloodworth, who was out there, um, he spoke with Hoss this morning about... Uh, Breakup, who's probably the the big X factor. We don't know much about him. We never do these Japanese horses, but this is what Blood had to say about his look at Caulfield this morning. So, I mean, he wasn't out here to break any records this morning. Uh, you know, part of the exercise was to give him some familiar uh, experience with Caulfield and, and the race day stalls and the mounting yard, uh, given, you know, he's never been here before, of course. Uh, and I think that went really well. The horse has been really relaxed all through the morning. 
which is great. And uh, Damien seemed uh, happy with with his work. Uh, he didn't, as I said, didn't break any records. Came home his last 600 metres in around 37 seconds, sort of around 12, 12 and a half second furlong. So I think, yeah, it's, it's a nice hit out uh, inspiration for Saturday. Mm, well. I've got a feeling he might do a Delta Blues pop rock, run well in a Caulfield Cup, and then smash him in the Melbourne Cup. Um, firm track, Japanese horse. We know the we know the level. Um, fascinating runner. Who's to say he won't? They've got a good record in the Caulfield Cup too. They don't do. forget. So he yeah. is currently an eleven dollar chance in the Caulfield Cup, and uh, if you're keen to have a, a a crack in the Melbourne Cup on break up, he's a thirteen dollar chance. So Damien Lane, who obviously knows the Japanese form better than anyone, uh, is pretty keen on break up. And I think when we spoke to Paul Bloodworth going back maybe a month or so ago, he said there was some similarities and um, maybe even better performed break up at the same stage of their career as what a murder glass was. Uh, and there's a bit of Delta Blues about him as well. So he's he might just come out here and smash us. He may, he may just do that. Um, ben Mellon went to the VRT yesterday. Um, uh, he's 10-meeting suspension for careless riding on Griffin, the Caulfield Guineas. Mellon um, highlighted the um, person standing halfway up the stairwell behind the winning post, the photographer. It didn't succeed. He basically got smashed out of the park by Justice Bowman. Mellon's not going potentially not going to let it rest there um that was the vrt supreme court um is a possibility i think he's really i've had a couple of texts with ben but he's he's undecided but i think he wants a uh fresh set of eyes on it so so um, he's thinking of he's, he's, he's considering his, his his options and he'll let he'll let us know uh, later on today, but I, I don't think he's going to let it rest there. So if the suspension stands, does he miss Cox Plate weekend? He would miss Manicato and Cox Plate, yep. uh, and then he would be back for Cup Week. So, and he didn't have much locked in, but that's just you know top class jockey like him. There was going to be a, a pretty much a full book of rides. So, no, he's a little bit narky that that it. Uh, he was surprised, basically, very surprised that it was so overwhelmingly the other way. So we'll see what happens there, but there will be some an updated uh, bit of information on wh- what he does next, if anything. But I'm I'm under the understanding that he's looking at his next options. Uh, the KPIs for um, Caulfield Guineas Day. Josh Blanksby's really good at um, laying these down. Just they're always interesting. The crowd was eighteen thousand, which was up five percent on last year. Eighteen thousand and twenty-three. Given the works at Caulfield, when you saw the aerial shot on the day, there was massive piles mm. of blocked-off areas. Uh, so I would think that eighteen thousand is a really good crowd for the Caulfield Guineas, um, up five percent on last year. Domestic wagering was down fifteen percent at one hundred and five million on last year, but twenty twenty two was a record because of the abandonment in Sydney and all of the because of the washout in Sydney and all eyes turned to Caulfield. And that's that's an important, um, uh, I suppose, bit of detail um, context to to place in there. And we'll talk more deeply about this with Matt Welsh. She'll join me after ten o'clock as well, because all of the talk um, leading into it was how much of a a bonus it could be having 
essentially what could be argued the biggest race day we've ever seen in Australia when you combine the Sydney meeting, the Everest meeting, yep. and a cracking Caulfield Guineas day, yet the turnover was down 15%. Well, I think the plus is it's a huge stage with both on it, but the minus is it's still going to be divided between the two, isn't it? So there's a bit of a plus and a bit of a minus, but Matt Welsh will probably have more information on that. One thing that was terrific that they did, and I think their MRC is better than the other clubs at flinging the gates open. Um, so, you know, they've had semi-feature meetings where they said, you know what, we'll, we'll open up the gates. They had a buy one, get one free ticket yep. offer. And Josh Planksby was of the view that that certainly um, had a, an impact on the crowd. And I, I think it's a... I know, you know, the cost of putting it on and the staff and the, all, the, all the things that they argue, it's very hard to just lower prices and open the gates. But uh, the MRC seem to be much more... Up, have a greater understanding of the of 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 those some of those aspects than the other clubs. Uh, La Creek, um, yeah, bit of a shame. She's um, she's got a foot issue. She's not coming over. She would have been a real chance in matriarch those sort of races. She's really high class mare. Maybe even a zipping classic. So she's not coming over. Um, actually, just on horses that have fallen by the way. So gee, the European summers. Uh, Hookham's now been retired, the King George winner. Ace Impact, the Ark winner's retired. Mm. Westover, the Ark runner-up, and King George runner-up's retired. And I think they'll all be glad that they're not running at the Quipco British Champions Day on Saturday because the weather's getting absolutely worse. You know what they've called it? Storm Babbitt is what it's called. That's hit uh, Royal Ascot. Storm Babbitt? Storm Babbitt is what it's called. I don't know. Babbitt sounds biblical to me. Um, they may have to revert to the jumps track for feature races, you know, so they're, they're looking at unprecedented measures to get the meeting um, done and dusted. And this is, you know, the our Champions Day version equivalent that they have. So they've got a rotten finale uh, for, the, for the, uh, the end of their carnival. Just dashing back to Canberra yesterday where um, Tom Riley from um, Thoroughbred Breeders Australia, he, fantastic, he's very you know, behind-the-scenes political liaison guy between the racing and breeding industry and influential people in Canberra. And there was a, a, a lot of gatherings uh, hosted by Tom Riley in Canberra yesterday where, um, this is the presser, federal politicians pledge bipartisan support for the thoroughbred industry. That includes the breeding industry. More than 40 MPs and senators from across both parties were engaged by Thoroughbred Breeders Australia yesterday and the unanimous, you know, words are words, you know, uh, reality's reality. But for the moment, it, it seemed very promising. We know racing's has its polarising elements and we know that these wagering taxes are going to come in and things like that, advertising. So but- was, it, was there any discussion of that or any mention of it in the release, uh, this um, wagering review which is underway and I know the racing authorities of every state are trying to explain to um, the federal ministers who are overseeing this inquiry about the proposal to ban advertising, sports betting advertising, and also the incentives such as your money-back offers and your... Your bonus bets. No, doesn't seem to be any mention of that, uh, uh, that they were part of discussion. So they were sort of loose... Yes, we're in your corner discussions. Uh, we understand how many employees you have and at the scale of the industry. Funny enough, though, that wasn't mentioned in this press release. We might actually try and get Tom Riley on the big V later on because what you mentioned is the, is the elephant in the room. Mm. So we'll certainly um, try and flesh that out and work out where that's at because that is going to be the biggest impact. Matt Welsh touched on it in the media briefing the other day and 
good one for you to throw at him today as well. Um, first race on Kenzo today. It's not all about as far as the the big game and the Oaks goes. Harlow missed v City of Lights, um, the half sister to Champion Mayor Winks, whose mum died yesterday. Um, Harlow missed his nine dollars. City of Lights two dollars thirty. John Sargent is a relentless winner of the VRC Oaks. Harlow missed as his big contender this year. City of Lights is another Oaks contender. So race one on the the secondary track at Randwick today may shed some light on the VRC Oaks. Yeah. So they're very prominent fillies from prominent stables. Golden sixty um, had a big workout yesterday. We 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 knew about that, but the reports he's pulled up really really well. According to Francis Liu, and he's going to be gearing up for once the dust settles on the spring carnival. We might be looking at Golden Mile. Um, Mr. Brightside, that sort of thing. So it's worth keeping an eye on, on how Golden 60 is going. We'll talk to um, – I'll get Hugh Bowman's thoughts on it because I'm going to have a chat to Hugh Bowman a little later in the program and also Hong Kong Hutchie will be along as well. Um, Zach Lloyd, mm. militarise in the Cox Plate. We spoke to Chris Waller about that yesterday. He was a bit coy, but he uh, officially – it was uh, announced yesterday afternoon. It's a huge opportunity for Zach Lloyd and one of the first rides he'll ever have. Could possibly be his first ride in, in Melbourne. This is what he had to say this morning about having the ride on Militarise. Um, honestly, I, going back and re-watching the race, I thought he ran super. Um, I, I must say, I took my eye off him at probably the, the 250 metre mark. I thought he was out of the race, so I started to watch, obviously, the front horses. And then... Um, I watched. I rewatched the way the race when I got home, and I was quite surprised he ran fifth. So he um, must have must have kept building to the line, which which he did obviously. And I think just the race setup wasn't wasn't to be for him. It was nothing to do with obviously the ride or the horse. It was just the race setup and where he found himself as it was in an impossible position to win. But I thought he found the line really really well. And um, yeah, first time going that way might have might have been a unbalanced, but yeah, I thought it was, it was promising for sure. He's either only just a nice three-year-old, or he's a total moral in the Cox Plate. I reckon. <laughs> total moral. Well, I just think he just fits the mould of those ones that have come through the Guineas. It was a funny Guineas where the wind played tricks. His run was better than it looked. Um, I actually think the race is thinning out a Are bit. Are you going to open up around... the shoulders at eight dollars then? Ah. Uh, just going to wait and see how things go, see how the vibometer's going with Christopher John. Um, I just think it's a Cox Plate that's awaiting the good staying three-year-old, but, I, but we're still guessing a bit about the quality of the three-year-old form as well. So, um, yeah, uh, he might be a total certainty in the Cox Plate. But no Amelia's Jewel, Gold Impact, who knows. So mm. Romantic Warrior? Well, we're guessing still, aren't we? Alligator blood, seven group ones. Bit player, I'd say. In a good, a co- in a good Cox Plate, he'd be a bit player. Gold trip, obviously, if he gets if he goes runs. there. We don't know if he's running. Then militarises. Kieran, if you're listening. Order of market. Uh, Victoria Road, who is yep. um, the O'Brien runner, yep. who's come uh, off a win in the States. Right. So. Fan girl, who... She's just a good mare. She's just a good mare. Just a good man. Well, she is. Okay. What do you think? She's Winx. Uh, it was a Winx-like win last oh, Saturday. Oh, okay. Winx-like win. I'm not saying... I'm just saying I'm, I'm looking for the right horse. Mr. Brightside? Uh, yep. Nice, you know. Yep. Um, sort of a... To me, he's a bit of a Prince Salieri. 
Uh, King Colorado. Well, he just got beaten in a Cox Plate. Well, they all um, got, just got beaten in that year. Uh, King Colorado. Well, Beat what, home militarising the Guineas. You, you're grasping. You're grasping a bit. But anyway, I no, just I'm think... I'm just asking your assessment of these horses. I think this year, and I'm not... I'm not I think it probably needed all the elements to stay together. Um, Prowess falling by the wayside early on was a bit damaged the New Zealand connection and then we lost the Western Australian connection and then the Hong Kong horse didn't set the world alight in the Turnbull. So there was a couple of little niggles going through, but but it, it lends itself to a year where you might get the spectacular three-year-old what coming about, through. What about a horse like without a fight, possibly backing up from a Caulfield Cup into... But we're still play. guessing. We haven't. We, we we don't haven't seen enough of him of, of late to. He's pretty a, good in the in the summer. Yeah, in the winter, I should say. No. Yep. 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 All of those things are true. So right. we'll see how it all comes together. I'm not. I'm not. I'm just saying it might be a good opportunity for the rising star three year old this year. A few SMSs coming through. I don't agree with Matt on much, but he's spot on remilitarising a Cox Plate. That's Dave from Swan Hill. Another SMS. Brightside will bounce back in the Cox Plate. Hope so. Uh, another one. Uh, stop guessing, you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're all guessing, though, with a lot of these things, aren't we? Matt, you've got to be kidding. That wasn't a strong Caulfield Guineas, and Militarise was unplaced. But it was a funnily... The way it panned out was a bit funny, you know? So with the wind and the leader beating leaders back and nothing running down the outside, he probably ran... A better race than it seems. Not another one here. Romant- Matty, Romantic Warrior is a moral in the Cox Plate. That's from well Leon in Mordiato. I hope he returns to his Hong Kong form, but the first time he stepped out of the bubble, he didn't run anywhere near to his rating. So do we just assume that he runs to his rating in the Cox Plate? I think that's what's a bit enticing about the Cox Plate is we, we don't know quite what he's going to bring to the table. Jeff says, fangirl wins if the track is a road, but has no hope in a Cox Plate. Uh, where there'll be a, a bit of cut out of the ground. Um, I don't think we've ever considered Fangirl a likely Cox Plate winner, have we? Well, she's never run over 2,000. Okay. Um, no, no, I, I, to be honest, until her performance, which was career best on Saturday. Hometown peak run set for the race, bright side wobbled around the turn, you know. It, just to, as an aside, it's interesting that on a run. I don't mean to sound negative, but I'm just sort of trying to give a sense of clarity about where the chances lie in the race. Uh, Felgate, this is classic M. Stewart. The horse he liked is out of the Cox Plate. It is a cracking condition. That's from Slap. Um, Good. I, I mean, and, and um, it's the Cox Plate. Good. Great. Everyone turn up. It's going to be a great race. Um, did you hear <laughs> Craig Williams yesterday when I had a chat to him out on uh, the track at Caulfield? He said, Mr. Brightside, the track in Sydney on Saturday would have been um, firmer than concrete. Uh, concrete would have been softer was his exact quote. What was it rated? I mean, this comes back... Well, he, said it was a, he said it was a two. But was it rated a three? No, it wasn't rated a two. It no, I know. So, so when are we going to accept that there's no sin? The greatest sin is misrating a track, not rating it if it's firm. I mean, it, it's just so damaging. Like, these valuable horses who run on a three with the assumption it's a three and then they can get wrecked on them. Like, well, But it's interesting. If, if Caulfield produced a track that a leading jockey like Craig Williams was calling concrete, uh, there would have been a, an outcry, an outcry of participants. Craig Williams is the only one I've ever heard say that, gee, that track was firm in Sydney on Saturday. I've heard similar reports about Caulfield and Flemington. Absolutely. No, and I'm Valley. saying on Saturday, yeah. have you heard anyone else say anything about it? About Randwick? Yeah. Uh, you're saying that he's the only I'm, one who's been... Be- no, but I'm, I'm, saying, yeah. I'm saying to you that 
Um, there is a lot of um, outcry from jockeys, trainers, if the track is firm yep. at Caulfield or Flemington. Um, yet no one seems to have an issue with the track on Saturday. Yet Craig Williams said it was a road. So is it... It's probably um, the shock that it's the first firm track they've had in Sydney in 50 years. And the horses, have they come... Or yeah. They seem to have come through okay. Well, Nash Nash said Think It Over um, struggled on the hard ground. And he, we might not see him again. So, yeah, no, uh, absolutely. Uh, and it's, it's the only clarity we get was when we hear from someone like a Craig Williams because if we went by the track rating itself, we'd say, well, the, he can't have an excuse on a firm track because it was officially rated a three. So... Mm. No, good on Craig Williams. Just uh, a few more SMSs as we wrap up. Morning, boys. Uh, worst Cox Plate since... Uh, hang on, these SMSs keep moving um, as they come in. Um, since Ocean Park, militarised just wins. That's from Jared. Uh, I'm not guessing. I let form unfold and read it. Um, okay. Okay, so what's Mr. Non-Guesser? What are you saying wins these us, races? He hasn't given a horse. Anyone know where Dunkel is? Well, Dunkel uh, is going to have a light spring and come back towards the end of the spring. I bumped into a couple of their owners a few weeks ago. Um, Zaki, think it all, uh, think it over. Still have class to peak on Cox Plate Day, and could be a chance. Well, one of them's ten or nine. Yeah, uh, is Zaki actually still going to a I'm Cox sure Plate? We need to wait and see after what happened on the weekend. Uh, I give the three-year-olds no chance. Three-year-olds win one in ten years, and are not well in at the Yeah, but weights. the years they win are like this year. Why would you look any further than Gold Trip if he runs? Uh, well, because we don't know if he's running. <laughs> look at big race results. That's from the Prez. Yep. Uh, is Griff in the Cox Plate? No. Griff has been spelled after his win in the Caulfield Guineas on the weekend. Um, so there's a few SMSs hmm. that are coming through here. Mick Kent Jr.'s appeared on the screen. Hmm. He wouldn't want to turn up at the Nixon. <laughs> so Mick... Kent Jr. was on a panel at the Nixon Hotel yesterday with us and Catherine Coleman and boldly tipped his horse in the third at Kilmore but then left the building eight minutes before the race. Well, things didn't go to plan. And then it was a train wreck (laughs) and the horse probably should have won but it didn't. So I sent him a text saying... um, you bastard, basically. <laughs> well, hang on. It's a family show, Matt. Yeah. Um, but the and reason, we had a bit of fun with the it. Re- no, he was great. And so was Catherine Coleman yesterday. She was in great form, uh, declaring that Matt Laurie has named the horse after her today, the two-year-old, uh, because it's such a good type. I so. love her. Um, <laughs> she's so – she's not uh, a wallflower. She's very up and about, open, has a lot of fun. She's going to be a really significant part of the scene for a few years, I think. Uh, the reason we want to play a grab from Junior, who was on this morning, is because he was talking to us about this French uh, mare who they have bought to contest the Melbourne Cup. She's already guaranteed a run. There's rumours Jamie Carr could be uh, in line for a ride if things pan out after the Caulfield Cup, and it's called uh, Lashtochka, and it has arrived at Werribee, and this is what Michael Kent Junior had to say about it. She's such a she's not a big filly, but she's such a gut set of feed. She she polished every every meal we gave her. Um, she's a very good drinker, so actually put on a kilo of weight uh, during the flight, which is incredible, and it makes our, our job a lot easier. So, no, it's been a it's a big big deal for them because she's come from France, where she's trained in a forest in Chantilly. She gets moved to Newmarket, England, for two weeks to do quarantine, flown across the globe, and now she's in Werribee. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a big ordeal for them, and everything has to go right. Yeah, as I said, pleased to say that it has so far. Well, that sounds promising. And um, he was telling us yesterday that they put up a huge amount of money and it is 
without um, conditions and then you've got to pass the veterinary test afterwards. So if there's something underlying, um, it's bad luck. So but you can still come back for the next campaign. I, I know yeah, there's yeah. a lot of people that go, oh, these bloody internationals, I get sick of them, I don't know them. But the people who paid the amount of money, they put a lot on the line. So mm. you've got to wish them good luck when they do get horses out here, like a gold trip, who yep. I think they paid more than $2 million for. And then at the end of the day, they do perform well. Um, uh, Brad Bishop's text in a bit of news about Zaki. Yeah, Damien Lane's riding Zaki in the Cox Plate, so he's there. He's he's a good horse in a Cox Plate because to me, the Cox Plate's all about the the how big the names are and how much you want to go and look at them in the mounting yard. And Alligator Blood, Mister Brightside, represent that. They're the sort of horses you want to go and look at. Zaki's still one of those. So if we get and then the excitement of the three-year-old and then. I still think it's going to be one of those cox plates where there's enough celebrity horses, and I think what's enticing about it is unanswered questions, and yep. they're going to be answered on the day. I tell you what, you do you engender a lot of debate. Um, uh, Kiwi Morgs, tell Maddie to concentrate on news, not tipping. Romantic Warrior will just trot in. Good. Fangirl, definitely a worthy Cox Plate runner, second to Animo multiple times and looks like she's come back better. Beautiful. Uh, who's Blake Shin on in the Cup on Saturday? Blake Shin rides Spanish Mission for Peter Moody, Catherine Coleman on Saturday in the Cox Plate. Um, hey, guys, front page smoked them in the cosy, yet no one is talking about it. The horse pulled up uh, was pulled up and would have beaten half the field in the Everest. Yep. I don't know about. I, I must need to. I need to have a look at the times. Well, talking of the firm track, on he times up, he would have run seventh, I think, in the Everest. Yeah, That's what was. I think I did read that. He pulled up three out of five lame too. Yeah, and it was. We spoke about it. it we celebrated what a great story, what a bittersweet story it was. You know, the Matty Dale after Jeff Jaraya and wins it again, and 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 obviously a, a not a great aftermath. So yeah, we certainly gave it a good run on the verdict. Hi guys, four three-year-olds have won the Cox Plate over the past twenty-eight runnings. Octagonal. Savabil, So You Think, and Seamus Award. Uh, of those, at the time that they won the Cox Plate, Octagonal, you would say, was... He and was, the others he were was unknown. a star. Savabil was a surprise. So You Think was a surprise. Yep. And so was Seamus Award. He Correct. was a maiden. Yep. So that militarised maybe fits the bill there. So, um, yeah, interesting. i tell you what's interesting. I was, you know flicking through a little bit of nostalgia on the, on Twitter and came across a nice grab from Channel 7 Racing. And it was it just gives you an indication of the history of the Caulfield Cup because mm. you'll hear the, you know, the old um, BBC-type commentary. Uh, it was a strand start. It was a total mess. Um, the winner, we won't get, get play the entire race, but it was Pal Fresco, who was a brilliant three-year-old who set an Australian record time of two minutes, 27 and three-quarters seconds when he won in 1935, and that stood until Tullock broke it in 1957. And the audio grab, which starts at the strand start, and even at the winning post for the first time, the broadcaster gets a sense of how crazily fast they're running the race. So this is this is a grab from the 1935 Caulfield Cup. Watch the horse with the bandit's forelegs nearest the camera. That colt on the outside is Pal Fresco. And as they leap from the barrier, he's side on, lifted the post. Last away with the exception. Fresco's chance appears hopeless. As tearaways in Spartan, Carnarvon, Felspar and Burlesque at the hottest early pace ever known in this famous mile and a half race. As they thunder along the straight, they're going at a 47 and a half second clip for the first half mile, and half the field is already feeling the strain of this tremendous pressure. Pal Fresco, game little colt, the pony of the field, is now fourth last, with his West Australian rider Percival cool and confident in the knowledge that his mount has an amazing burst of speed, all coiled up for release. As they swing out of the straight, the pacemakers are still flying. 
And Sorcery, Gallant Mare, is now sixth with the favourite Marabou moving up. Balfresco, with Percival taking advantage of every possible opening, is threading his way through the bunch. But at the turn comes the big thrill. Little Palfresco comes round the outside like a streak of lightning. Those white bandaged forelegs twinkle as Palfresco hurls himself into the lead and goes away with a magnificent bird. The field, led by Charles Fox, Hotshot, Sarsery, Marabou, Journal and Felspar, vainly endeavour to bring him back. But Palfresco is still full of running. And though Hotshot gamely finishes on... Four white bandages, like a bolt of lightning, according to our BBC sound and caller. Um... So, and that was 1935, and the race has been around for I, a, a long time. I love those, um, well, a long time, 1879 it was first run. I love those old calls and the, the movie yeah. tone yeah. reels. Yeah. Oh, you remember the old yeah. shots of Farlap? Yeah, and, yeah, oh, yeah. Come here, yeah, uh, yeah. Will you? where's yeah. my sugar? Yeah, yeah. Um, Matt Hill's coming on a little later for Fast Form, and he loves the history yeah. of broadcasting. Yeah. It's yeah. interesting how the voices and the style of call have changed how, over the years. Even how our accents have changed. There's a great clip of Farlap with Jim Pike and Dave Davis, the owner, and Harry Telford and maybe Tommy Woodcock holding when Farlap's there swishing his tail and the commentator says, hey, Jimmy, uh, do you think they can beat Farlap? And he goes, they'd have to make them with wings to beat <laughs> Farlap. Uh, that's how good he is. Uh, uh, so, But they don't talk like us. Do they talk better than us? I think they sound more eloquent than we do. I, it's we sort sound of, butch and ochre. Well, because we came over, it was only 80 or 100 years before that that we were Irish or English or something like that. So I think it's the high, the accent sort of morphing into what we So Pal Fresco, today. 1935. Claude, he was a gun horse, apparently. Claude Brown was the trainer and N. Percival was the jockey. Um, two years later, a horse called the Trump won the Caulfield Cup. Yep. If only they knew. Um, tomorrow... <laughs> Tomorrow was he, a, was he a chestnut? <laughs> <laughs> he was orange. Uh, <laughs> tomorrow, I'll give you some homework, which you're not. I'm off tomorrow. What Thursday? It's uh, annoying. You're not. You're not enjoying this adjustment to the. <laughs> no, we need you to work. Uh, okay, I'll put it out to the listeners, and we'll pull some highlights out. Uh, favorite Caulfield Cup moments. Um, some. I'll tell you one. Whether it's one that you've backed or just one that you've watched. Well, I remember the you could drop a pin in the mounting yard after Might and Power won the Caulfield Cup because no one – it was a bit like what we've been talking about, no one – those three-year-olds in the Cox Plate. No one really knew how good Might and Power was. That was the day he announced himself because he'd, he'd won a – you know, one of those minor three-year-old races in Sydney, a Frank Packer Plate or something, had been unlucky. Unlucky in the Epsom. Yep. And then – you know, Silent Jack. No one had ever met Nick Moraitis before and his sons and they became part of the landscape for three or four years after that. And everyone was... I remember Murray Bell was there down from Sydney and all these journos of the time like Rollo Rawlins and everyone was just looking at each other, just shaking their heads yeah. saying, what the hell was that, you know? I remember. And I then everyone tried to get an interview with Jack Denham. I backed Marble Hall, the favourite, uh, and then it uh, gets smoked by six lengths. Yes, that's a very good nomination. Seems you won't be here tomorrow. Uh, Maddie, uh, we'll see you, though, in a little while for the Big V. Beautiful.